This is All People Are Crazy, a reverent discussions on how to cope with being a perfectly normal crazy person. These conversations are to nudge your curiosity about mental health, fill in any gaps in your knowledge, and encourage you to make the difficult deal of taking your own advice. This podcast series includes adult concepts, explicit language, discussions of mental health, mental illness, suicide, trauma, violence, drugs, and sex, but generally not all at the same time. Please be gentle with yourself and remember to seek support if you need it, starting with family and friends, your general practitioner, and in Australia Lifeline from 13, 11, 14. Welcome to All People Are Crazy. I'm Lisa Downs and I'm joined by Australian psychologist and my wonderful friend, Tom Lothian. Hello, Tom. Hello, Lisa. <laughs> so last week, Tom broke the hard truth to me that all people are monsters, which... <laughs> Poor you know, Uncle and Auntie Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Wilhelmina, <laughs> Uncle Bob. Uh, shout out to Uncle Bob. Uh, <laughs> But essentially, um, the gist of that was that we've all got thoughts that are on a scale from harmless through to monster classification. True. But how we deal with those um, thoughts or impulses is important. Yes. Yeah. Now, before we launch into this week, just a reminder that Tom does not dispense personal medical advice. All his advice is generally nature, and you should seek professional support from your own individual circumstances. In Australia, start with your GP. Please and thank you. So, Tom, our topic for today is how not to be unhappy. <laughs> how to be not unhappy. How to be not unhappy. Is that just because you've given up on, like, are you such a terrible <laughs> as a concept? That you've given up on happiness and us attaining happiness now that we're all monsters that is- and all crazy. This <laughs> oh, is out of reach. What is it that we are covering I mean, is that-, that your focus is not being unhappy? <laughs> That's a lovely quip. But a deeper truth than you kind of realise, and not in a depressing way, right? So sure, Tom. Firstly, sure. <laughs> first, it's not a question of giving up on happiness as okay. such. I think that, and look, different people see this work in different ways, but I would suggest that happiness is great. I think it's a feeling for what it's worth, uh, and I think that people can get fixated on happiness uh, and on unhappiness uh, and to the point where that generates its own problem, right? So for further reading, uh, The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, beautiful book, um, including Russ's own like like self-disclosures around his hard history and his kind of pathway through his own challenges. Um, And it's a a kind of fundamental textbook in uh, what's called acceptance and commitment therapy, which is uh, one of the, it's not a new kid on the street anymore, but it's uh, kind of relatively new therapy uh, and very sensible and lovely and it appeals to a lot of people. Uh, And it's basically that as a thesis, right? If we fixate on happiness, that ironically drives it away. Uh, So no, I don't think that happiness is inaccessible (laughs) to the crazy monsters who are listening to us in this moment, uh, I think that there are kind of almost like two parts to this work, essentially, because it's the difference between unhappiness and not unhappy, right? So managing not unhappy is all about taking care of yourself. And realistically, it's all about avoidance, right? Very little of what we're about to talk about for the next however many minutes uh, is going to be surprising to people. Uh, A lot of it will be like really obvious things that your mum probably told you and irritatingly she was right. Uh, That it turns out if you do like, you know, take care of your body well enough, then you'll be not unhappy. And from there, by all means, launch into world domination or self-actualization or whatever states of ecstasy and euphoria you want to attain, understanding that these are all emotional experiences and emotions don't last, right? That's their advantage and their disadvantage, right? Sometimes we really want our happiness to hang in there. It's not going to, right? You will be sad at some stage in the near future because all people will be sad at some stage in the near future. That's the sensible thing to be a fair chunk of the time. Um, well, look, sadness has wow, its value. Back into the uplifting chat. Well, this is, again, like you wow. make that crack about crazy <laughs> monsters and me being a depressive psychologist. Yeah, I mean, that's not unfounded. <laughs> 
because the reality is I don't do a lot of work on happiness as mm. such. I do work on not unhappiness. That's most of what I do. Occasionally, the happiness trap is getting in the way. So I get to like play in that that field a little bit. And there is a whole field of positive psychology, uh, which is great. So shout out to Martin Seligman, uh, who's the kind of granddaddy of, uh, of positive psychology. I'll find a link of something for his to, to okay. whack in the, right. in the show notes. Um, and of course, you can go after your not unhappiness by doing something which makes you happy, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes happiness is, a, is an important piece of the puzzle as far as going after your unhappiness is concerned. But in a lot of the work that I do, it's about really kind of bringing it back to basics, the, the how do you take care of yourself side of things, because uh, without that in play, the rest is inaccessible, right? Like if you are neglecting yourself, feeling sustainably good, is unrealistic, right? You got to you got to take care. You got to get enough sleep. You got to do all that like boring, important stuff that you don't want to pay attention to because it feels more interesting to talk about your relationship with Uncle Bob, um, <laughs> or about the monstrous thoughts in your head, or about I don't know. Pick any given sexy, salacious topic that psychologists find interesting. All of that sounds fascinating or even planning, right? It sounds more interesting to like plan doing the thing. I need the perfect like marathon Mm. training plan. I need to be on exactly the right diet. I need to do exactly this thing. Like, no, 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 you don't. No, you need a good enough plan and you need to do it Uh, as Mm. opposed to waiting and using your clever thinking head uh, to come up with an absolutely superb plan that you've made no progress on in five years because you spent all your energy avoiding your feelings by thinking, trying to think your way out of a feeling problem. Are you specifically talking about (laughs) me and my marathon plans for the last two years or was that just an accidental example? You and I are in a small tent (laughs) covered in dunas. Lisa is currently rubbing her legs with anxiety, <laughs> if that's, you can hear that in the background. And so it wasn't my deliberate intention that this hit a little too close to home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. got, you're not, I need like a flag. Yeah, yeah, too close. Trigger warning, trigger warning. Uh, yeah, but of course, like you you are very not alone with that as a phenomenon, yeah. right? Whether yeah. it's a literal marathon, um, which is a great thing to aspire to. It's a good bucket list item. Um, and there's lots of ways that you're going to start and struggle with that because everybody else who runs a marathon does as well. Uh, but I think it plays out as a broader pattern for, I think, all people at different times. I think this is a universal topic um, as far as being a person is concerned. Because yeah. uh, sometimes you don't want to, right? You just don't want to. Uh, and importantly, with all this stuff, you got to do good enough, right? The, yeah. the goal is never perfect in yeah. this work. It's always good enough. And you know what I think before we launch into this, I just think that it's a constant grab of mine, but social media and the pressure that social media puts on everyone to be happy or be having a happy life or present themselves as happy all the time. And you put, you know, you find that people put so much pressure on themselves to present that happy image of themselves Mm. outwards that you don't necessarily do the paying attention to some of the other stuff or you feel pressured to like meet everyone else's expectations Mm, that you think they have but maybe they don't have but maybe they do have but who knows (laughs) (laughs) about whether or not you're happy or not (laughs) well that was a lot of thinking about other people's thinking about thinking uh but then there's a great example of that right if you take like australian comedian celeste barber her yes. Instagram is this like deep thesis on exactly that topic wrapped in the hilarity of her comedy. I'll link to that as well. Because, yeah, of course, really- no one other than Celeste is putting like the realistic, terrible version of themselves on Instagram. Like, got up to go for my marathon training this morning, but it turns out I ate something that I'm allergic to yesterday, so I'm spending this morning on the toilet. Like, no one... Is putting that on Instagram, right? Because that's not what it's for, right? It's a social media network. And as a result, everyone is filtering themselves before the, like, actual camera filters kick in uh, to show the best version of themselves or the idealized version of themselves or the aspirational version of themselves. Uh, And so that's a really important point. Uh, It kind of almost weirdly touches on the the stuff we talked about in that last um, episode on on the kind of like social pressures as a part of monstrous behavior, Uh, hearing that the expectations we create for ourselves are enormously powerful Mm. and we can easily get into hard feedback loops as far as what we think other people 
want for us or need from us or yeah. expect from us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas I'm going to suggest that actually everyone else is just as dysfunctional as you or me uh, and that the bar is in fact a lot lower, that good enough is very accessible um, and that you don't need to hit it today, right? Because today you should start from wherever you're at and then you should start making progress towards good enough. Because like it's just like the the anxiety episode we talked about, or that that first episode um, where we kind of dealt with phobias as an example. Um, you don't get over that in a day. Mm. You make some progress, and in that meantime, while you're making progress, you're still in a pattern of pretty hard dysfunction, and that's okay, right? It's decreasing dysfunction. That's why I you know kind of describe this as not unhappiness, because it's not about immediately reaching for ecstasy. Right, it's about moving through your various stages of completely normal human weirdness on the way to doing well enough. And from there, yeah, great. Go and do a course in whatever modern dance or architecture or get a job that really brings you a great deal of joy and a shit ton of cash, right? Whatever the thing is that's going to work for you, that's great. But firstly, you need to stabilize your metabolism because without that, like doing the really clever piece afterwards and the hard work afterwards, that's very, very hard yards. So create that environment for success, I think, is a kind of important part of what we're talking about today. All right, so what is first cab off the rank <laughs> in Tom's, like, directive, Tom's instructions on how to be not unhappy? So simple toolkit, right? Food. Right. So humans need food, right? Yeah. Your, your brain, which, you know, most of the mind, we would argue, uh, sits within the brain, uh, runs on sugar. So all the food that you eat and that goes down into your tummy and then gets digested in your intestines, mostly, I understand, uh, all of that gets converted into sugar. And it can either be converted slowly or it can be converted quickly, depending on what type of food you're eating. So Is you, all food created equal? No, right. no, 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 no. And look, there is like a million clever models out there. I'm going to suggest that whatever you kind of learnt about probably in primary school or like year seven health, I feel like is a really important year of curriculum as far as learning to be a grown-up is concerned. Like, that's enough. The old food pyramid, I think mm. they turned it into a circle at one yeah, point. Yeah, that's confused me. I like the, I like and the I, pyramid. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right, like, just whatever shape works for you. Just understand <laughs> that you need to eat, like, a whole a variety of colours on your plate and you need to eat healthy in the way you understand that. Does it mean you need to eat completely healthy all the time? No, of course not. You're allowed to have chocolate. You're allowed to have delicious sugary beverages. You're allowed to have whatever you want. Just have them in ratio. Mm. Uh, and it's about listening to your body and the way it reacts, right? So my joke about shitting yourself instead of going marathon running, um, yeah, like listen to that. If your tummy keeps reacting to a specific like subset of food, then maybe don't do that so much. And you can like... Flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you we haven't talked about this for a couple of episodes. <laughs> How is quitting coffee going? Carry on, carry on, moving on. Excellent. But it's this, right? Like that, it's exactly this, this bucket uh, of feeling you're having in this just moment. I love coffee so much. I know. Well, it's great. Oh, and look, this is how. you trying to do marathon running. They did it Then you're on the pooper all morning instead. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, look, you know, it's one of the things I, I say to, to other psychologists is coffee goes in, psychology comes out. That's like the way <laughs> I run my body, to be honest. So I feel sad for you at the fact that your body's like, no, this is not a thing for you. Mm. Uh, but it's that, right? Yeah. It's understanding there is good generic advice out there that has changed a little bit, but only a little bit. Yeah. Right. And again, if you're talking about a good enough concept of diet, then do what you already understand to yeah. be healthy. And sure, you can go and research. I don't know, uh, like Felice Jacker is a wonderful researcher at, I think, either Deakin or Latrobe Universities in Melbourne, uh, who has this like uh, gut to mind field of research going, brilliant, it's brilliant stuff. Uh, or the CSIRO, which is a research institution in Australia, um, have been releasing diet books for a couple of decades now, I think. Um, and again, there's not a lot of surprises in there. Yeah, I feel like it's the classics. You hit the classics It is. That. It is. Everything in moderation, really... as my mum yeah. would say. Yeah. She was a homemaker. Yeah. yeah. Perfect, perfect. But you're right, it's that pyramid. Yeah, yeah. And your body will tell you whether you're like on the right track or not on the right track. And I tell you, if there's if I'm gonna flag one thing about food, it was don't be boring. 
And that's going to be a bit of a theme along the way here, right? Like I think when folks think about taking care of themselves, it's easy to get in a trap where you assume that has to be hard and you assume that has to be boring. And that is not the case. And in fact, we want to be really careful with boredom Uh, because, I mean, this is why crash dieting doesn't work. Right, because to be clear, there have been crash diets uh, for as long as there's been media on which to record the crash diets, mm. uh, and there's always a new one. Right, every couple of years, there's always a new one, and there's always a new one because the old ones don't work. Yeah, because if they did, that's just what we would all do now. Because yeah. uh, what happens with the crash diet is you get on it; it's really hard. It works incredibly well until it doesn't. And then you put all the weight back on plus some mm. uh, because depriving yourself chronically like forever and a day is not effective, right? You've got to work sustainably. So I would never think about food as a time-limited diet situation. I would encourage you to think about food as a thing you have to do as a part of living uh, and you want an interesting, varied, sustainable diet. Right, and we talked about it. I think in a in a previous episode about how humans need both predictability and spontaneity, which yes, are opposite things. You want to create that with your diet, right? And I think learning to cook and learning to cook well is a really important life skill. Mm. And again, getting good enough at that is not a high bar, mm. right? Learning how to like stir fry stuff and use different herbs and spices, right? There is a bajillion excellent recipes out there these days you know the things you could do with a cauliflower in the 21st century are amazing um yeah and so make sure that you're interested if you're going to go after food make sure it's interesting make sure it's sustainable right you don't want to be burning a heap of energy withholding your boredom and all the like scratchy irritability that comes along with that uh, when you could be eating interesting food uh, today that does what you need it to do as far as nutrition is concerned. Because you want to be careful to go under as far as any given like vitamin, mineral and calories is concerned. And you want to be careful of going over as far as calories in uh, in particular are concerned. Because that's normally the challenge, right? Two thirds of Australians overweight or obese which statistically is like the most dangerous thing as far as a health market that you can do in society in the 21st century is concerned um yes understand that firstly if you're struggling with food you're a very normal person like very very normal uh and secondly there are ways to get this done so here that you already have the information you need if you don't have it in your head then it's probably sitting on your phone in your pocket uh, and you should go after working on diet so that you are eating a fuel, uh, a source of fuel that will sustain your mind with a fairly consistent source of sugar, right? If you're on the chocolate bars, you'll have a spike of sugar and you'll feel amazing. And then your insulin system will kick in and you'll have a blood sugar crash and you'll feel terrible. The solution for which would seem to be to eat another chocolate bar, but that doesn't work because there are too many calories in them and you can't sustainably do that. Unless you're like literally running all day. But even then, there's like not enough protein and vitamins and stuff to kind of sustain the rest of your body. Your body's going to wear out if you try and live on nothing but sugar. Yeah. So I think big shout out at the minute. Um, Magda Zabanski mm. has a great show on ABC. Yeah. You can watch it on iview. We'll put a link in the notes. But um, it really does look at how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. And you um, called out that stat of two-thirds of Australians are currently obese about the society we're currently living in. Yes. And she does look at the fact that, you know, you've we've used bad apples in the past in the last episode, but if there were just a couple of us or small percentages of people who were overweight, then um, it could be individuals. But probably with two-thirds of society, it's, it's probably the system that we live with. It's Absolutely. So it's very hard. I feel like um, food, it's all fine for you to sit there and say, yeah. Eat your great healthy food, but there's yeah. a reason two thirds of Australians yes. are overweight at the minute. Exactly. So it is going to be a bit of a conscious shift to like ignore all the advertising that we see every five steps that you take around any of your towns. Yes. And take that time out because it is hard to be organized and get that food prep and cook those meals mm-hmm. with the sort of the big full lives that we're living at the minute where you feel like you're being pulled in all directions at once, meeting, work, family, life, sustainment, fulfillment needs, and dance classes. (laughs) (laughs) And I think importantly, right, like that's that's a really important set of points is you want sustainability in all elements of this work. So firstly, you're not 
shooting for perfect today. Yeah. You're aiming to move towards good enough. And from there, you can do whatever the hell you want to, as far as I'm concerned, right? Like beyond good enough is not really my business. Yeah. Um, it's yours. You want to go be a cordon bleu chef, knock yourself out, but you don't have to do that. And there are easier ways to get this done and there are harder ways to get this done. So, you know, like you mentioned briefly, food prepping, some folks find that to be really great. Because you do a big shop, you prep all your meals, you do one big batch of cooking, and then it's good to go. And importantly, when you're tired and hungry, you're not tempted because you don't have the opportunity easily to reach for a chocolate bar. Whereas if you're tired and hungry, and then there's the choice to order a pizza or spend 40 minutes cooking a meal, because if you're not practiced yet, it'll take you a while, um, then you're probably going to order the pizza. Yeah. Yeah. So I've really found it interesting. I moved to sort of a small regional New South Wales town mm-hmm. recently and my I was so shocked at reflecting <laughs> on myself after two years in Melbourne. Some of those were in lockdown and where food delivery was mm. like a key option and the, you know, single source of excitement for the day yes. living by myself in a yeah. house where I couldn't see anyone that I loved. Um, there is no food delivery in my oh, town. There's no Uber Eats. There's no Deliveroo. There's no DoorDash. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's a girl to do? The fish and chip shop <laughs> stops taking orders at like 6.30 <laughs> most nights when I'm barely even contemplating dinner. So, yeah, that really made me notice for all the times that I went, oh, I just like, oh, no, I can't. I can't Uber Eats, so I'll, um, I'll have to cook something. Well, so I've really yeah. gone back to cooking, which I haven't done for quite a few years as a single person. Yeah, the value of inconvenience, right? Yeah, you right? would think that inconvenience would be generally bad. No. But no, it can really take me. care of yeah. you. Uh, yes, and so think about like barriers to entry, barriers to exit, right? How easy is it, is it for you to do the easy thing? How hard is it for you to do the undesirable thing? Yeah. Uh, and so you can like, I'm going to quietly bribe and blackmail yourself using those systems. They're incredibly effective. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of great, like, behavioral change tips for all of this stuff, right? Because nothing that we're going to talk about here is terribly clever. Uh, You know, like, I I tell you, fully Jacker's team would say that you need some fermented foods, it turns out, and, like, a bit of pickle, a bit of yogurt. I mean, I'm guessing booze probably ticks this box as well. Yeah, although don't drink too much. The latest, <laughs> latest Australian uh, government guidelines on drinking basically say drinking's bad for you. Yeah. Just is. We really hope that it would be good for us in some way. Nope, turns out not to be true. Yeah. Um, yeah, but some fermented foods and like some nuts, as long as you're not allergic to them, turn out also to be good. But this is tinkering around the edges, right? This is the last couple of percent that make... Yeah. a difference, uh, whereas there is the vast, vast majority of the gain to be made by getting off the takeaway, uh, getting off the, the fast food and getting on a meal that has a range of vegetables in it apart from anything else. Um, and yeah, by all means, fats and proteins and sugars as well because uh, it'll all get digested down into like its base nutrients one way or another anyway inside your body. But it's the way that your body interacts with the food that's the kind of key thing here. So it's that kind of big feedback loop, right? Of understanding you know the vast majority of what you need to already Take the path of least resistance. Really, don't be a hero with this stuff. Um, all of this change is exactly as hard as it seems. So use the smallest amount of energy possible to get it done. Right? You don't want to be like getting all earnest and boring and hard-headed about trying to make these changes happen because that's when you're going to run out of puff on a bad day and you're going to like order all of the takeaway and then you're like off the wagon essentially again whereas if you're working sustainably you know you're going to have exciting meals on a regular basis you know you can have takeout semi-regularly as well it's not that you need to get rid of that as a thing but you're on a trajectory which takes your diet into a place where you have a solid um, quantity of like sugar available to you in your bloodstream on any given day uh timing is important as well as far as food's concerned eat regularly like i said plenty of folks if you're really anxious you're not going to feel like eating because apart from anything else in the fight or flight response uh the blood flow is dragged away from your stomach right yeah it's dragged away from your stomach because that reaction is there to protect you from saber-toothed tigers and so the blood is like in your major muscle systems but just below the surface it's actually a very cool kind of biological response but unhelpful in the 21st century Um, and so you want to like again meet your body where it's at if uh, if you wake up with a high degree of anxiety in the morning or you have a high degree of anxiety around various meal times which a lot of folks do um, it's about doing what you can And so you may not go for like, I'll call them high resistance foods, right? You're probably not reaching for steak in the first instance. You might be on soup. 
mm-hmm. for a period of time, particularly during those more anxiety-provoking uh parts of your day Um, and there's nothing that says you have to have exactly three meals at exactly breakfast lunch and dinner Uh, again listen to the feedback your body gives you Uh, if part of your morning anxiety is that you're like hangry then deal with that right you want to get in front of that problem by getting enough nutrition into you that sustains you so that yeah you're still going to feel anxious as part of like having that pattern but with a bit of food on board, like with a meal in your tummy, you've got a much better shot at being able to sit with that and then write it out uh, and manage more effectively. Yep. Mm. Good tips. Excellent. Anything else on food? I reckon that's enough, yeah. to be honest. Again, like keep it interesting. Keep it interesting. Keep it healthy in the way that uh, you understand to be the case. Um, yeah. And I think that the timing thing is is a big deal at a number of levels, both in, in the terms of eating regularly so that you have a sustainable quantity of blood sugar, uh, but also in terms of when you're going to cook your meals or when you're going to prepare your food. Mm. And I tell you, the best diet uh, work for my money it happens at the supermarket. So mm. don't go to the supermarket while you're hungry and go with a plan. Yeah. Only buy the things on your shopping list. Yeah. Because uh, I think if you uh, break either of those rules, um, then the evil psychologists who uh, design the placement of products in supermarkets will get you. Uh, yeah, because the supermarket is a beautifully designed uh, contraption to emotionally overwhelm you so that you make unnecessary impulse purchases of premium products with very little value yeah so speaking of the system being broken i do feel like that's the one thing with um like the revolution of click and collect and things yes you can actually sit at home when you're in a comfortable yes not anxious not hungry space and make the sensible choices Mm. and then you don't have to go into the supermarket and have all that advertising pinging at you exactly or pinging at your children or whatever that might be to stress you out to lower your resilience and resistance to um making some of those choices so all right that's great excellent what is number two in your toolkit so hydration number two to water in all its various forms <laughs> well, it's an no. <laughs> important point actually, because like, well, like everything in moderation, right? Mm. As, apart from anything else, um, but stuff with booze and indeed caffeine in it is a diuretic. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes a depressant. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yes, absolutely. Like alcohol is yeah. a depressant. Yeah, it um, is. yeah, it's a oh, poison and a depressant. Yeah, well, poison is always a question of dose. Actually, everything is a poison in enough dose, including water. Ooh. Yeah, you got to drink a very large quantity of water for it to be dangerous, yeah, to right. be clear. Good yeah, but if you though. drink like 12 litres of water in a day, which is a lot, uh, you can experience what's called hyponutremia, uh, which is basically where you dilute the electrolytes, the salts in your uh-huh. bloodstream, uh, and then you get to go spectacularly crazy before you die of liver failure. Delightful. Yeah, it's not good. Don't get that. Winding that back. Coming back to alcohol <laughs> as a poison. Um, or water and uh, hydration. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just on the soft level. <laughs> yeah, that's it, which the underlying conversation we're actually having. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you need to drink enough water. Uh, you don't have to drink actual water in a water bottle or a glass of water. Um, that works for some people and some people find it really boring and so they can't do that. But be careful of booze. Be careful of caffeine. Um, and even sugar in a high enough concentration mm. can be a diuretic as well. So a diuretic, incidentally, is something that makes you pee more. Uh, and those can dehydrate you. And the- What about sports drinks and <laughs> hydrolytes and things that tell me I'm going to be instantly able to run that marathon? Oh, amazing. So those are look, those contain exactly the salts that would otherwise lead you like liver and kidneys to destroy themselves. <laughs> Read the back of those bottles uh, because they actually all of them have explicit advice as to how much of this stuff you should have on any given day uh, because you don't want to drink too much either. Uh, yes, you need a quantity of those salts in your body. Uh, the vast majority, and I tell you, if you're eating a healthy diet, Diet, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Like you don't need to worry about drinking any insert brand here. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, like sports drink. Uh, and that said, like I totally consume electrolytes at times, particularly if I'm doing sport on a hot day for any meaningful period of time. Uh, it'll stop muscle cramping apart from anything else, which is hard and gross and stops you from having fun. Um, yeah. So I think feel free to have those, but understand that those are like sports performance drinks. Yes. Yeah. On a like an office-bound day, you don't need those. Which was my point. Like, I feel like you trading for run, sure, <laughs> yeah. have a sports drink. Yeah. Me walking around the city, 
Less so. They're no, things no, that I don't need. No, because no. you'll acquire more than enough salt and particularly the kind of vitamins and minerals that come along with it in a normal healthy diet, right? Like if you've got a variety of fruits and veggies and uh, protein of some description in there, um, then you're going to acquire all the salts you need um, to kind of get that side of the business done. And the sports drinks have their value as far as doing sport is concerned, uh, but they are not magical as far as like getting enough fluid into you is concerned and too much sports drink is bad for you as well. What about energy drinks? They're all full of caffeine, which mm. is why you feel energized. So be careful for them as grown-ups because caffeine is a diuretic, right? You can't hydrate on coffee. Um, and the teas are okay. Uh, so I like, I don't generally drink straight water. I would normally like make myself a pot of tea at the start of the day because I'm a grumpy old man. Uh, and then I just keep the same tea leaves throughout the day and they get weaker and weaker. And so I'm getting more and more kind of hydrated as the day goes on importantly with little kids they process caffeine differently from grown-ups yeah be careful of your colas and definitely be careful of your energy drinks as far as the little tackers mm, are concerned yeah colas of course yeah. yeah yeah and look those are you know you keep in mind your colas have got a much smaller quantity of caffeine in them but than a lot more do. sugar yeah, a ton Those guys of, got sugar. A ton of ton sugar. ton of sugar. And that's true of all of the soft drinks, right? So, uh, yeah, entertaining uh, kind of blind tastings that you can do with uh, colas and other soft drink beverages where it's actually very difficult <laughs> to taste the difference between these things because yeah. they are all essentially sugar water. Sidebar back to food. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're on sugar, I have seen, and it has shocked me, the amount of sugar in processed things that mm-hmm. I grew up on, like Domeo. Yes. Like, Easy, simple parenting sauce, yep. solution yep. as far as pasta. Oh, yeah. You know, mints and some dolmio. Yep. It's got so much sugar. Like oh, it's breakfast cereal as well. And yeah. breakfast cereal that has like health themes to it yeah. as a thing. Worth a look on the, the back of a box of muesli or breakfast cereal. What percentage of this product? So per 100 grams, that's the kind of column of the table I think is really useful to look at. Uh, what percentage of this product is sugar? And not unusual in breakfast cereals that it's like 20%, wow. 30%. Yep. Right. So thinking about that, that, you know, if you got a box of, you know, insert breakfast cereal here, we don't want to be sued for defamation. Well, and you're having 200 grams of Exactly. Yeah. That's 66 of those grams are sugar. Wow. That's a lot. 66 yeah. grams is a lot of sugar. That's like a fifth of a cup of sugar. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is a lot for to start your day. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's meant to be a healthy start. So, yeah, sometimes like, that's where, you know, this is the kind of the, like the, the last whatever percent, right, of, of getting into kind of the nutrition piece is knowing what you're eating because sometimes you will be surprised that the foods you thought were healthy it turns out are vastly less healthy importantly though of course when it comes to eating those foods as long as you're not having too much you're going to be okay uh and as part of a diverse and interesting diet it's all right right yeah Yeah. if you're getting to the points where you're like all right i feel like i've got a really good kind of diet pattern going on here but whether i'm still putting on weight or i'm not losing weight um, or i'm not feeling as well as i would want to yeah that's the time where you can start getting really curious about the fine details but i would always encourage you to do the really obvious work first consolidate that because change is hard right change is an energetic process so make a change consolidate then make another change don't try and make all the change in one day that is like a generic change statement uh because again sustainability right we need to pace ourselves otherwise what you do is you like binge a change uh and then you relapse on that because it's not sustainable as a thing whether it's diet or exercise or even hydration uh you know you see folks really try and like massively increase their quantity of fluid i need to drink eight glasses of water a day which sounds awful and boring as far as i'm concerned um well and as long as it works for you that's great um and there's a lot of folks out there who are basically chronically dehydrated Mm. right they're either surviving off like colas and coffees and energy drinks right they've got a kind of caffeine uh infusion which makes them feel energized in those brief moments uh but they're also chronically dehydrated which means that they're like chronically hungover essentially yeah half a hangover and wake up craving exactly even more of the same after eight hours of not yeah, yeah, of not uh, absorbing and, that. And like and peeing a lot. Because mm. I mean my like generic statement as to what's enough water is you want to pee clear at some stage throughout the day. Right. First thing in the morning you're not going to because your kidneys have been working overtime overnight to like clean you out, which is great. Um, and there'll be different points in the day where you don't. But as long as you hit a point at some stage where you're peeing clear, that's a really good start. Um, so, gents, it's a, an easy observation for you, uh, ladies and people who like to sit. Um, check out that bowl. Please do. <laughs> yep. Check out that bowl. I mean, true of poop as well. 
I know it's not it's not good news, but it's like it's a solid stream of data. Forgive the pun. Um, Yeah, and it's uh, it doesn't always need to be perfect, right? But it will give you that piece of feedback as like, how is my body traveling? Is this a diet thing? Am I unwell? What's going or excessively anxious will kind of uh, interfere with that system as well. Uh, But I would encourage you, as unpleasant as it is for some of us, uh, particularly those with uh, strong disgust reflex, um, good to like see how your body's going, even the gross parts, right? The gross parts have great wisdom in them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So drink enough water. And yes, like the generic statement is, I think kind of two liters a day, liter and a half, two liters a day. Uh, but that depends how much you're moving, how much you're sweating, um, whether you need a lot of water or not a lot of water. And for my money, if you're not on too much caffeine, right? If you're peeing clear only after you've had like <laughs> three coffees, um, yeah, you've just like diuretic yourself uh, make sure you get enough fluid into you in whatever format that works as long as it's sustainable and be careful of stuff with a lot of sugar in it which includes juice right Mm. so keep in mind fruit juice uh i mean in the fruits like relationship with humans over evolutionary time scale was designed to be eaten not drunk Uh, so it's very easy to drink a heap of fruit Right, like you can drink like 12 oranges really quickly. Whereas if you ate 12 oranges, that would be a big day's work. Right. Yeah. So yeah, make sure you're not essentially like blending a heap of calories into yourself really, really quickly with heaps of fruit juice. And again, it's all about balance, right? Because fruit juice, of course, is very good for you in the right quantity. Um, yeah, as long as it is fruit juice and not fruit drink, uh, which is essentially a soft drink without bubbles in it. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, the juicing element sort of removes some of the fiber, depending on how it's processed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, which the contents of your toilet will let you know one way or another. (laughs) That's true. All right, so we've got food, we've got water. What's next in Tom's toolbox? Fascinating topic, sleep. Um, So we'll have like a whole... You're obsessed with sleep. I am obsessed with sleep. Well, it makes a massive difference, right? I think we talked about this in the last episode as well, Uh, like that it might be the difference between you like killing a person (laughs) or not on any given (laughs) day. I think I might have even said that. At one point, it's a big statement. Yeah, that was. We don't shy away to the big Probably statements. a bigger swing that I really needed to take with that one. But I mean, it's so normal people who have lived for any period of time, and even children will tell you about this, right? The difference in the way you feel and function after a good night's sleep compared to after a poor night's sleep is remarkable, right? Mm. Like you think about how hard you can work, how creative you can be, how pleasant you can be to other people, all of these things, like massively larger as far as sleep is concerned and its impact on the way we roll. Uh, There is indeed a, 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 a kind of school of thought out there that a fair chunk of depression as a concept, should be reclassified as a sleep disorder. Really? Yes. That we oh. have like all of these medications the, to treat depression. Uh, so the SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and friends, Prozac and friends, let's right. call them. Okay. Yeah. And Prozac has a lot of friends, right? There's a whole list of them out there. And they all do slightly different things. And they all work about as well as each other at the kind of population level. And we don't really know why. We don't really know why any of this stuff works. We have some theories, but they're not that great. Um, and then all this different stuff kind of works on different parts of the brains in different ways. But the common theme with all of this is that they're all quite helpful in regulating the sleep cycle. Right. Ooh, yes. And so it turns out, even if you are like a deeply sad human being, getting a good night's sleep is still going to help you feel less unpleasant. And of course, from there, maybe you've got enough energy to like exercise or something or talk to your loved ones. Um, And now you're off to the races as far as like making some meaningful inroads into your unpleasant mood situation is concerned. And that... Seems all very simple, but a shout out to all the parents who are dealing on their sleep, which is not by their own choice. Uh, we're going to talk about this next week. Oh we? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll so have we'll a, yeah, so properly. we will have like a longer, a longer conversation about sleep. Uh, but like the kind of short version of that is, you want a sleep routine. Right. So you want to kind of predictably cue yourself up. We talked in the last episode about that kind of when you practice something again and again, it carries its own momentum. Um, And we will talk about that as a concept in lots of these episodes, uh, because that's an important part. Right. When we start building 
a pattern of behavior, it creates essentially an emotional expectation within ourselves. And we can use that to our advantage as far as sleep's concerned. So if, for instance, you're going to bed at 10 o'clock one night and 2 a.m. the next morning and at 4 o'clock in the afternoon the day after and so on and so on, it's very hard for your body to figure out when it's meant to be going to sleep, right? when your brain is going to release its melatonin, which is the chemical messenger that says it's time for nine eyes. Um, and that's uh, not handy. So trying to get a relatively consistent bedtime and wake time, preferably aligned to sundown and sunrise, right? So humans are a daytime species. We have entertainingly bad night vision. Um, you know, so the caveman is not a daytime, per- is not a nighttime person, sorry. He lives in his cave. Uh, she lives in her cave during, uh, during the nighttime. So they don't get eaten by stuff apart mm. from anything else. Um, yeah. So I think like have, for, like, do sleeping at night, do sleeping consistently and have a sleep cave as well. Like we really do want a cool, so not warm, but a cool dark space uh, with very little noise and very little light attached to it. Uh, so the electronic devices are the key ones. Yes, uh, the number of uh, adolescents I talk to are like, oh, I'm sleeping terribly. I'm like, what happens? Like, well, people message me at two o'clock in the morning and so I have to talk to them for a while and then it's hard to go back to sleep. Mm. The obvious question is like, why are you doing messages at two o'clock in the morning? And then they like roll their eyes because I'm a middle-aged man who grew up You're without so the internet. So old. So old. Well, for a 15-year-old, I'm ancient. Yeah, you really are. Yeah. Yeah, so old. Uh, but it's that. It's then like you've got to do a kind of relationship boundaries piece around understanding that you need to leave your phone outside your room if you're going to turn it on at two o'clock in the morning to wake yourself up and deal with social stress because uh, that is not going to work out for you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that element of whatever the app is on your alarm setting where you can oh, set a sleep the, timer and it just yeah. stops your messages coming through. Yep. And people <clears> can see that. So they can contact you in an emergency. Mm. It comes through if they ring you twice yep. uh, or they can ping you. But otherwise, people just get a notification saying, "Yeah, because it turns out 99.9% of the time, it's not an emergency. It's not no, an emergency. it's not. It's generally just like smutty texts that I'm sending you. It, like <laughs> It seems for you like 8.30 at night. I feel like from 8.30, you're like, I need to wind down and stop listening to Tom's like stream. My sleep alarm comes on at about 8 o'clock. Oh, no. And all my family chit chats and my our friend group chit chats, <laughs> they just get looked at in the morning. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. It so is. Get enough sleep uh, and the, and get, get consistent sleep. Uh, and I think a, a really important part of it is uh, accepting that you won't sleep well all the time. Like I feel like I sleep pretty well as far as a person's concerned. Sleep is not a big focus for me in my own life. And I still don't sleep well every night. Like, I'll have a couple of nights a week where I'll just have a rubbish night's sleep. I'm either under too many blankets or I'm stressed from the day and I'm having weird dreams or I, like, ate something weird. Um, And it's okay, right? I think accepting your tiredness and letting your tiredness take care of you the next night is a kind of important part. Yeah. of sleep as well and i mean this is that kind of speaks to that happiness trap thing that we talked about at the start right it's almost like you could rewrite that book for sleep uh you don't need to feel you don't need to bounce out of bed feeling amazing every day right um even though i feel like i'm a fairly high energy individual in my own way <laughs> like i do not bounce out of bed like i'm in a musical right i like pull myself out of bed and kind of crawl into the shower where i slowly wake up and then the like the musical can begin for the day uh but it's it's not that, right? Like I wake up feeling tired most days and as long as it's tired enough and as long as I've then got enough energy to do what I need to, great, right? Like could I inspire to more? Of course I can. But to be honest, I don't want to, right? <laughs> I'm going to like funnel that energy into some other part of my existence. So my sleep is good enough. And again, I think just to you know, reinforce like good enough is the bar for all of this stuff. And we'll have a longer conversation about sleep and all the hilarities attached to that as a thing <laughs> in, our, in our next episode, I believe. <laughs> Yep, true story. (laughs) All right, number four in Tom's toolkit of how to be not unhappy. (laughs) Exercise. Um, So I think I've mentioned this in in a previous episode. The strongest antidepressant on the market is cardiovascular exercise, yeah. right? Vastly more powerful than any of the medications we have, uh, which is disappointing as far as the medications are the concerned. The huffy puffy. The huffy puffy, yeah. Uh, now, importantly, I think it's a bit like the diet thing, 
right? We all know how to exercise, right? We all know how to run a marathon. It's not an insight problem, right? It's left foot, right foot, repeat. But just like the diet thing, I think it's very easy to get sucked into a trap where you do something serious and boring, like Mm. running in a circle or swimming in a pool along a black line. And look, if you enjoy those things, that's great. Like, I don't mind a bit of swimming. Uh, Running around in a circle would drive me absolutely insane. Uh, But I don't mind a bit of swimming. I kind of find it calming and interesting in ways that a lot of exercise isn't for me. So that sounds good. But for the rest of my time, no, no, not so much at all. Uh, And I mean, look, when I was doing more running, I would use like an augmented reality game to motivate me to run. I love some zombies run. Zombies run. I'll whack a link in the thing. It's it's. I think it's fantastic. Even though I don't like horror films, mm-hmm. uh, like this was great because I needed to like do some interval sprints in particular. Um, but it turns out when, you know, Sam, shout out to all the runner fives out there. Uh, when Sam's in my ear saying, there are zombies, run. Yeah, I can oh. get that done. <laughs> He's great. Oh, Sam Yao. Shout out to Sam Yao. <laughs> Fictional character. Who from is a com- this guy shouting in your ear? Oh, that makes more sense. I'm so glad you're He's my radio that. operator, Lisa, and we have a deep relationship. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't get to talk very much anymore because I can't run very often. <laughs> and if I tried to do an interval sprint, my foot would fall off. <laughs> I think your point's valid, though. I think the key point here is that there's something for everyone. There and is. And it doesn't necessarily there have to be running is. away from zombies. Yes. It can be lawn bowls. Yes. It's just like dancing, whatever it might be. Movement. It's There's a crazy amount of apps with yep. random things, but it's mainly use it or lose it. Trampolines, right? yep. roller derby, medieval recreationalists, right? All of this good stuff. Like go to the weird and wonderful. Anything that gets you moving. Just get that body moving. Particularly that gets your heart rate up a little bit. And we're not talking about a huge amount of exercise. Yep. Right? So keep in mind in the, um, uh, it kind of ties into the diet stuff. Uh, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Mosley, who's a British doctor who is a big advocate of that five plus two diet. He's also a big advocate of the the HIT, um, a high intensity inter- interval training exercise. And he would say that if you're couch potato, uh, then the minimum effective dose of exercise per day is two minutes. Mm. which is great because that's almost nothing. Mm. And what he would say is uh, it's basically just run the stairs. Whatever stairs you encounter in your life, unless it's a really large quantity of stairs, uh, run those stairs and you'll rack up two minutes throughout your day. Mm. Uh, So that's the minimum chips, right, is run the stairs. Now, depending on your body shape and the state of your knees and the state of your ankles, if you're me, not always a thing. But let's just start with Taking the stairs exactly. instead of the elevator. Exactly. Incidental exercise that you can add into your day. Yep. Yep. Or doing the house cleaning and slapping some music yes. on and just shaking exactly. it out. Exactly, yeah. Because there's all these fun ways. And I think, again, whenever we can incorporate fun, that makes it much more sustainable, yeah. right? We're leveraging the strengths of the emotional system rather than needing to overcome, like, boredom as a challenge or overcome whatever. Uh, really acute pain is a thing because fun also has a painkilling effect yeah. right? happiness is a painkiller uh, and so you'll be able to push yourself a lot further without even realizing it if you're enjoying yourself if my goal is to get an hour's exercise a day six days a week <laughs> uh, and i start out aggressively doing an hour's <laughs> exercise a day and it lasts two weeks you are uh, going to a do to a calf is what you're going to do or a hamstring <laughs> or something uh yeah up? yeah you gotta start small and work out right because <laughs> this emotional shaping stuff right where we start where we are and we move towards good enough and in between here and there we're patient with ourselves for being imperfect perfect like that plays out in the body as well uh and like i have pulled all the calf muscles in the world as well right like i've absolutely fallen into that trap myself uh and you gotta take care of yourself right i think yeah the patience is a hard bit uh because apart from anything else i think motivation can come in waves uh and so when you got a wave of motivation like right i'm going to capitalize on this i'm going to build an amazing pattern i'm going to do six hours a week uh and that doesn't work yeah. yeah, I feel like there's a lot of all or nothing approach yep. uh, in a lot of ways that people tackle almost everything on this list yes. so far. Like I yes. will obsess about a diet that will only last two weeks and let you say then it'll it'll be a crash diet, you yep. fall off, same with exercise. I will obsessively do something yep. but as opposed to starting small and working my way up with yep. my capacity. Yep. 
I just burn myself out and then I go and sit on the couch with a bung back for the next yeah. two months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then booze starts making a great deal of sense because it's a painkiller apart mm. from anything else, right? In Western medicine, before we had opiates, we used to rely on alcohol a lot mm. as a painkiller. Uh, so it works, except that it doesn't. Um, yeah, because it, of course, <laughs> makes everything worse uh, as far as such things are concerned. Uh, yeah, so try and have some fun would be my strong encouragement. Go and get back into a ball sport you enjoyed as a child or do whatever. But but, uh, yeah, try and have some patience for yourself, right? Start small and work your way up from there. Yep. All right. Uh, what's next? Number five. Social contact. So people need people. Uh, and it can be hard with this stuff, right, because it means taking time out of your day to deliberately pay attention to some other folks and have them pay attention to you. I recommend getting a sweat lodge tent <laughs> and, and talking shit for Why an not hour. record a podcast that people may or may not listen to? Podcast recording optional, but, you know, way to get up close and personal. Is this the social contact? What are you talking about? I mean, this will do the thing, right? Like, you and I are yeah, kind of good for today as far as such things are concerned. And it doesn't need to be this structured, clearly. I mean, this is kind of creepy. Apart from anything else. And it's not that you even need to do this stuff every day, but loneliness is incredibly bad for people. So apart from anything else, yeah. yes, people need people. The introverts right, uh, amongst us, right, the folks who find social uh, contact kind of uh, de-energizing uh, as opposed to the extroverts who find it energizing, even the introverts need social contact. And you can have elements of that. Absolutely. Most you know, people sit somewhere in the middle yeah. of kind of those two and poles. That, yeah. Um, and, yeah, hear that it's a, essentially a universal human desire, right, whether you're on the autism spectrum or you have social anxiety disorder, um, everyone needs people in their lives. And so make sure you're getting regular social contact, right? And that's going to mean probably if you're a bit short on this, uh, you need to take the effort to organize some things. Because I think a lot of social contact, uh, or moreover, a lot of the absence of social contact happens because someone doesn't put their hand up to be in charge. Uh, and yeah. my experience is that when someone puts their hand up to be in charge, everyone else is grateful. Yep. The fear is that everyone else will get judgy, uh, but I think it's much more common actually for everyone else to be grateful that someone took the effort to organize a thing. Uh, and so good to have a crack at it along that line. And if you've got no one, right, like if you've moved city or you've whatever else, uh, I think it's Bumble these days have a friendship element to their dating app. So yeah, right. Bumble is a uh, one of several um, kind of dating apps that are out there these days. Uh, but they now have, I think it's Bumble BFF which is a space to go and form platonic relationships, which and is And Meetup is great as well. Yeah, They've that got was going to be my other shout out was right. Meetup um, because they have like groups and contacts and events based on every conceivable interest that a person could have. Uh, and so even if it's just going and having, uh, to start with, light superficial social contact, that will already do you good. And of course... When we start with superficial relationships and then we keep engaging in those superficial relationships, they can get deeper over time. But make sure you're doing the starting work of being out in society to whatever degree you can manage. And again, good enough, right? If you're feeling problematically lonely, probably time to dial up the socials. Interestingly enough, if you feel lonely and you have a lot of social contact, that's probably when you want to think about looking to a me-shaped person. Because it's very possible to feel desperately alone, even though you're in the middle of a football crowd on grand final day, right? Like our big football stadium here holds 100,000 people. And many of those 100,000 people on grand final day will feel lonely. Uh, and there are people sitting, <laughs> sitting in their sweat lodges by themselves uh, who feel really socially connected, even though they're not in the physical presence of others. Uh, and so I think if that's your phenomenon where you have people around you, but the loneliness is still a kind of big part of your experience, yeah, that's a great time to start looking into therapy as a concept because um, you've created the opportunity, well done to you, uh, and now it seems it's about letting yourself have some kind of emotional connection along the way. Yeah, so I feel like this has been a big thing that – Shout out to us Melbourneites, but um, all of us around the country and the world who live yeah. through COVID who got this element taken away from us yes. um, by governments yeah. and uh, rules that came in um, that stopped us being able to access our people, particularly people who lived at home alone, yeah. um, who were um, essentially like 
put in enforced isolation mm-hmm. and if you're any in any sort of facility, uh, like older people who yep. were stuck and locked in rooms. Yep. And, um, you know, the rest of you had challenges with only being able to connect with the people who were in your house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes that was a bit much. But, um, yeah, I feel like we're – and now I sort of feel like it's flipped a little bit. So we've gone from having a couple of years where we weren't able to have social connection and that made a lot of people very unhappy. Mm. And now we've been in a bit of an intense time where yeah. there's been a catch-up <clears throat> from that and that's also quite emotionally draining. But yes. there's like a nice happy balance yeah. Yeah. in the middle. Everything in moderation. Well. It's your mum's advice, right? Like, damn, mums, they just know so, so goddamn much. Nothing yeah. good ever happens after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> and every hour of sleep that you get before midnight is worth two hours. Oh, that is good. That actually. was it. That's that one of my favourite really ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just, I think that piece about, you know, where a lot of people have been, it's been a rough couple of years for people mm. through COVID and a big element of that was the social contact being removed. Yep. We were still allowed to go out and exercise technically yes. if you could leave the house without, you know, uh, you know, your responsibilities, mm. um, but and we were able to sort of do food, water, and sleep. But the social contact was yep. um, quite significantly removed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or changed. I mean, we weren't used to Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Last one. Last but not least, a sense of mastery. What we- do you mean by that? So I mean, you need to remind yourself every single day that you are good at some things. And I think, so this is all of this list, incidentally, comes from the flavor of therapy that I practice, which is called DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. This is their list of things that is good for people to, to do and work on. Uh, and a sense of mastery, I think, is all about essentially optimism. It's essentially understanding like, no, no, I have this pattern in parts of my life. And even though I need to make really hard change that feels impossible at different times, clearly I can get this done because here's a corner of my world where I do nail it right, where I do get things done. And it can be the smallest thing, right? It can be whatever, making a good bed or really doing a great bit of toast or an excellent cleaning of a bathroom or whatever it is, nailing your spreadsheets. It could be your exercise. It could be your hydration. It could be any of this stuff. But importantly, reminding yourself that you are, in fact, a capable person already, Right, even if you're five, you're already a capable person in so many ways. Yep, I really nailed walking without falling over today, which we can joke about now. But for five-year-olds, it wasn't so long ago (laughs) that they weren't nailing walking without falling over. Yeah, and so I think that's a really important part of it. Right, remind yourself that you have a sense of mastery. Not just remind, prove, prove to yourself every single day that there's some stuff you're like, yeah, actually, I can. And it's not that you need to throw like a whole parade for yourself every time you do something simple, just a little pat on the back and noting that you did it to say, yeah, so note that capable human being in the right context, capable human being. And I would say that's every person. I don't think it matters how like profoundly sad or disabled or whatever you are, whether it's mentally, physically, both. Uh, I think there are always going to be corners of competence in everybody's world. And sometimes we have to work pretty hard to find them. And often we don't. Often it turns out that we're not connected to our own sense of mastery because we're essentially in denial of our own capacities, which makes total sense. Because if you're feeling profoundly sad or profoundly under threat, um, feeling capable is pretty controversial, actually. That's bucking the trend pretty hard. Uh, And that will bring its own kind of hardness and anxiety at different times. But ultimately, I think it's a really useful trait to have. Can I go off script and, (laughs) as a not qualified person, add (laughs) one last toolbox trick? Yes. I think if you're in the unhappy spot, you're probably also saying really mean things to yourself in your head. There's a good chance. And so I think just keeping yourself talking check would be my last one to add. And I think the catchphrase that I like thinking about um, if I am, you know, like, just this thoughts coming around my head like you know that are negative Hmm. it would be what would like I sort of ask myself what would my best friend say Mm. to me in this situation you know and they would probably say like don't talk about my friend like that like (laughs) they're great don't be saying that stuff to them yeah so I think if you talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend that's nice and you don't let that chat come through or you protect yourself like you would protect and stand up for your best friend I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. Well, as a qualified person, I will say I actually say some version of that to people 
regularly. Yeah. And I think that our best advice is the advice we give to people we care about. And I think anytime you see yeah. a lack of alignment between the way you treat yourself and the way you would treat a loved one, yeah. that's good work to go after. Yeah. And understanding, like, we've just laid out a heap of work. Because while that's only, like, six bullet points, kind of seven. Seven. With, seven with Lisa's bonus. <laughs> seven is a better number. Uh, seven seven kind of bullet points. I mean, in DBT. Pillars. <laughs> pillars. The seven pillars. Oh, God, the engineering of that building shits me already. <laughs> but in the seven pillars of Lisa's magical self-help cult. <laughs> right? In DBT land, that's like nine months of therapy. Ooh. And generally, you have to do the whole thing twice. Listen, so you got this in one simple podcast. I know, yeah. And now you're fixed and the world is better. Is the world better now as you're listening to this? Yeah, because it was never about how simple the work is. It's about how hard it is. Most of this is simple and all of it is hard. Yeah. So that's the kind of big punchline here. The big punchline is accept that this is simple, hard work. And yeah, like there's a million different ways to to kind of get it done. And so find a way that works for you. It doesn't need to be the only way. I'd say try stuff. Have yeah. a crack at it. Yes, try to speak to yourself in the way that you speak to others. Uh, and Russ Harris has a whole chapter on on such things uh, where you can like, if you've got real problems with your self-talk, you can like record the stuff you're saying and run it through funny filters and make it come back yeah, right. sounding in entertaining ways. I'm currently huh. experimenting with a Jason Statham uh, version of self-talk, which is stolen straight from comedian Nick Kroll. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's working out. That's uh, that's great. He's got a great way. He's like, Megalodon. That's very satisfying work to say. <laughs> If you're Jason Statham. Put that link in the show notes. (laughs) To to the Meg? To the Jason Statham film? Or maybe to the Nick Kroll? Then someone will have like chopped that onto YouTube. I'll see if we can find that specific part of his Netflix special. Uh, Yeah, but it's great. It seems like consistency is the key with this stuff. Like you're not going to win every day. Nine months worth of boring work for the seven pillars. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But I feel like picking yourself up and just having another go the next day and not. Patience. I think the problem, yeah, and not making an excuse that, oh, well, I've stuffed up on Wednesday, so I'll wait and I'll start fresh again next Monday. Like, you don't need to wait for a new month or a new week or whatever it is that you're setting. You can just start again immediately. Indeed. Let me suggest that uh, your moderation, I think, is great because everything in moderation, including moderation. And so there are going to be times deep. where, yeah, I know, uh, I'm so deep. Uh, there are going to be times where you like have a binge day, right? Have a cheat day. I think some of the best kind of diet structures I see are the ones where like, and today you should eat cheesecake. Yeah. Because you've been really good all week. Knock and, yourself yeah, out. Knock yourself out. Have it's a great. treat meal. Yeah, that's it. You know, go out and have some drinks. It's going to be good fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of that. Great. And so I think, Do yeah. Do it free Exactly. Exactly. And then we'll back up tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I can pay the cost of doing business. And as long as that cost is worth it, it was great. And if the cost isn't worth it, you're like, oh, that wasn't worth it. And that will shape your experience next time. Mm. Next time you won't feel like eating as much cheesecake, which is the good news. Um, yeah. So I think talk to yourself as you would a loved one. Be patient with yourself. Accept that the road is slow and inconsistent with backward steps involved. Uh, and then hear that, you know, Almost everything that you need to know already, and the rest of it is about getting it done, which is hard yards, but that's what I do for a living. I it's watch probably people. it's probably what your mum told you yeah. growing up, and it's probably what yeah. you learned in Year Seven Health. Yeah, yeah, Year Seven. <laughs> Shout out to the Year Seven Health teachers. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Hi, mum. <laughs> thank you for like imparting Persevering. what turned out to be probably the most important wisdoms for thirteen years of high school <laughs> schooling. <laughs> true, very true. Uh, all right. Tom's top three tips, top three takeaways. Three takeaways. Today. Uh, Three takeaways. So take care of your body in all the most obvious ways, right? Know that you know this and take care of your body. Uh, People need people is my number two, right? Understand that you're a social being and even though you don't feel like it, you need people in your life at different times. Uh, And you can do it. Right, You really can do this. You have a sense of mastery. You have capacities in your life. If you can do it in one corner, you can do it in another. And I think it's that question of picking that path of least resistance, 
allowing yourself slow and inconsistent progress and doing the simple hard work in front of you one step at a time rather than freaking out and getting overwhelmed or binging through all or nothing as far as that kind of pattern is concerned. Great call. I'm going to go back and put an asterisk on number two with people need people. If you really hate people, get a dog. They're the best. I can highly recommend greyhounds. No, then you can go and find like other dog people right exactly. there. Exactly. Dogs are the best. But that's great. No, no, as in I other know, people who back. own greyhounds. I know. Like, that's like... I know. It's a transition back. Just a stepping up, stepping up towards the middle for oh being not unhappy. God. First step, own a greyhound. Own a Greyhound. Oh dear God! Get a rescue <laughs> greyhound. They're yes. so neurotic. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. If that's your thing, if that's your fun pathway to wellness, then knock yourself out. <laughs> Lisa <fun>. endorsed. <laughs> Less so, Tom, who's the actual psychologist. Whatever. Well, I knew, I see. I we haven't talked about this for a while because like I said I make two controversial statements in therapy. Yeah. Uh, and the second one, I can't. What was your first one? Now I can't remember. Oh, it either. oh no, there are no psychics. Oh yeah. That's okay. the, the first that's controversial, that controversial statement. Is there, well, no, but that's only because we've psychics. talked about it so many times. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're a psychic, then it's controversial. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, no, well, there are no psychics. There are no mind readers. Yeah. And the second controversial statement is dogs make better pets than cats. Yes. Because dogs are a pack animal and cats are not. Yep. Like your dog will look at you and love you and take affection from you and worry when you worry and all of those things. And your cat will look at you and think to itself, if I was as big as you were and you were as big as I am, I would eat you. <laughs> That's what your cat will do because cats are terrible people. <laughs> Here, here. Yeah. Laser endorsed. No shout out to the cat owners. <laughs> I have several clients who like fight me. This is the, probably the hardest conflict I have in any of my therapy is about the value or not of cats as pets. And they're like, but my cat is different. And then their cat inevitably like gets on Zoom, looks at me with a dead shark eyes, <laughs> and then turns around and shows me its colon. Because <laughs> yes. it's a cat. Consistently. And it knows. <laughs> Oh, what a great way to end. Uh, so all the resources for today are going to be in the show notes. For anyone who wants to deep dive uh, through this topic, great. Maybe some more Jason Statham via Nick Crawley. <laughs> <laughs> and next week, sort of expanding on one of the elements yes. of today, is go the really fuck to sleep. <laughs> so, Tom, are you just going to be doing like an hour of shouting, go the really fuck to sleep, so that people can replay it to themselves or their kids? Yeah, that to works get well. To sleep? What are you There's what are nothing you doing that works better for someone who's frustrated than just hearing, calm down, <laughs> calm down, just again and just again. Just relax. Yeah. Just relax. That'll be my, this will be my mindfulness meditation. No, it won't be that at all. <laughs> No, it'll be a longer conversation on what we talked about today because sleep is a big one. Uh, and I think if we can go after sleep, I mean, it's connected to everything else we talked about today. But I think importantly, if you've had a good night's sleep, then the world is your oyster. Whereas if you've not had a good night's sleep, then the world is a bin fire. Um, and so we don't want to have to deal with the bin fire version of the world if at all possible. Let's try and get into the oysters, unless that's not your thing. Yeah, great, cool. Love it. Can't wait. All right. See you next week, Tom. Catch you then, Lisa. Bye. Bye. All People Are Crazy is a production of The Therapy People. We would appreciate your five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Why not visit us at allpeoplearecrazy.com.au or on Instagram or Facebook. If you're a psychologist interested in setting up private practice, why not visit therapypeople.com.au to see whether we can be of assistance.